Hi, my name is Munyale. I'm a lecturer and I live in Abuja. Munyale was born in Nigeria. I mean, I went to school with my classmates. I always ask them, like, if they had told you I would be a lecturer, would you believe it? And they're like, nope, you don't even give up the vibe, even now that you're a lecturer. So I didn't see this coming, but I feel like uh, in my final year of university, I knew this was coming. Like, I knew that I wanted to be in a classroom. I knew that I wanted to teach. I knew that I wanted to impact knowledge. So, yeah, that's when it dawned on me. She's a university lecturer with a master's degree in terrorism, international crime, and global security, and a postgraduate diploma in education. <laughs> There's more. She has a PhD in peace and conflict resolution. Well, almost. She just defended her thesis. We'll see how that goes. She says curiosity pushed her to get multiple degrees. I mentioned before, the curiosity was there for me, wanting to know more about nations' behaviors because I started liking how nations actually behave to how human beings behave. And if you're conversant with politics, you would know this. You know that states tend to behave like their leaders and all of that. So I got very curious about that. But then I also had a very good lecturer. And I mean, he was one person to always push you to do more and to know more, not because you were going to write about it, but basically just because it doesn't hurt to know more. In today's episode, Muyale talks about the challenges she faces as a female lecturer in a discriminatory system. Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin, and I like girls. This is a podcast about African women and the different experiences life throws at us for being women. If you still haven't listened to season one, I highly recommend that you do after this episode. It's available on any streaming platform you're listening on right now. So when I came back in 2016, I started applying to different schools. And one thing nobody told me was that it's kind of strange to have young academics in this country. Like it's not a norm. It's almost like an anomaly. So when you walk into universities, it's always older people. Like the youngest people you see are in their 40s. So when I kept applying, it was like, uh you are still young. So for, from some places, I got those comments of you're still young. Oh, go and do more. Work in the office first before you come to the classroom so that you can have practical knowledge of what to teach your students. I honestly still don't understand what that means. But yeah, so there were situations like that. And basically, I was just capturing my CV all over Nigeria. I wasn't particular about where I wanted to. Muyale got her master's degree in the UK in 2016. And when she returned to Nigeria, she got a job at a printing press. Moyale spent two years applying for lecturing jobs. In 2018, something finally clicked for her in a university in the northern part of Nigeria. Uh, So when I got into the university, I got into the international relations department and I was given all the international political courses. Now, because of um, my volunteering experiences with different NGOs, I also get to teach human rights as well. Uh, Because of how current I am with research methodology, I also teach research methodology as well. As you've probably picked up by now, it's hard to see young people like Munyale working in academia. Uh, Okay, so when I joined uh, the university system, I was 25. And 
when I got in there, to be very honest, when I got in there, I didn't feel out of place uh, age-wise because there were a lot of young people working in the administrative system and then a few young lecturers as well, maybe not as young as I was, but like I could find one or two people in my age group, basically. So I wasn't the youngest. Uh, I'm still not the youngest, but I mean, as an academic, at that point in my department, I was the youngest. I was the only woman in the department, uh, in my office, not in my department, but in my office. So in that way, I felt kind of like out of place. But other than that, I felt, um, I mean, comfort came with seeing a lot of young people, even if it was in administrative positions as well. So it wasn't really tricky at first. But then as I started, you know, working there, going every day, then I started seeing the reality of things. Yeah. I asked Muyali why the academia isn't receptive to young women like her. She had some really interesting theories. It's because it's not a norm. So people believe that teaching, especially at the university level, is something you do after retiring. So it's something you do like as a retirement plan or something you do afterwards when you're done really doing the important things of life. And I do not personally subscribe to that belief that lecturing should be left for older people. I don't think age really, really matters. We, as long as you keep learning at whatever age that you are. Another theory I have is the ageism. So, I mean, really, how many universities actually hire young people? It's not like young people don't apply. But then how many universities actually hire young people? Lecturers in Nigeria aren't paid enough. As a result, many people assume teaching at the university level is transitional till one can find better paying work. Most people think lecturing or teaching in general is something people do when you can't find jobs. Like it's the last resort. So, I mean, if you gather all your degrees, no job, you should just go and teach and while away time. So when people see a young person teaching, their assumption is that you don't want to make money. Like you just want to, don't you, want you just to want to maybe pass time till you can find something better to do. So constantly, I have people that always ask me, "Oh, are you still looking for something better to do?" I'm like, "No, I'm doing what I want to do," and I find that it is a very hard thing for people to accept. Don't you want to make money? Make money. Make money. When Muyali started lecturing in 2018, she realized quickly that. She was different. I wanted to be able to dress the way I wanted to, just to be very comfortable. And I, in this sense, I don't really mean like even exposing. I just really wanted to wear like my baggy shirt, like my big shirts if I wanted to, my baggy shorts and all of that. So when I got into the university system, the typical Munyale was short sneakers, red hair. My hair was short. Because Munyale was teaching in a school in the north of Nigeria, she was expected to dress a certain type of way. For context, Northern Nigeria is generally conservative. And there was this um, woman who like picked on me. And one day she just comes to me and she says, come, why do you dress like this? Ha. I'm like, I don't understand. And she's like, are you not, are you not a woman? Uh, are you not a lecturer? I said, yes, I'm a lecturer. It was gradual. This woman in her faculty kept pushing Muyale to dress differently, more conservatively. By the way, this expectation was not extended to her male colleagues who pretty much dressed however they wanted to. 
there's really never any standard for men like i i know times when i i don't have class up till today like days that i don't have classes are the only days that i wear jeans to work and even at that when i wear jeans to work you still like hear some comments some side comments if your male colleagues are not commenting about your body somebody else is saying something about it and i remember one of these days she saw me in a gym and she's like oh i'm not supposed to be wearing a jean and jeans to work and there then like we were in a meeting and like three men were on jeans and i was like but these men are on jeans and she was like oh yeah you know men jeans goes with their attire and she said this to me to be clear the university did not have any specific rule on attire for staff wearing loose and long clothing for women was just the expectation based on the culture in the school's geographical location muyale learned later that she had much bigger problems than what she chose to wear or not more on that after the break I'm 25 years old and I'm an illustrator. I've been painting and illustrating since I was very young. The walls of my room at home are covered with a lot of my work. Three months ago, I got tired of creating art for just myself. So I decided to take things to the next level. I wasn't sure how to publicly display and sell my work. So I asked on Twitter. Someone on my timeline recommended Storefront from Paystack. I did my research and tried it out. And with Storefront, I was able to sell my first ever painting. Here's how it worked. I created a free account on Paystack. Then I created a new Storefront to sell three of my favorite paintings. I added pictures of the paintings, selected a beautiful background color, then entered different shipping amounts. Then, I pretty much just shared the link to my storefront on Twitter and I had my first sale within 10 minutes. It was that easy. That was an exciting moment for me. If you like to create a customizable online store to sell your art, product, digital items and more, try Storefront from Paystack. You can start by creating a free account on paystack.com forward slash I like girls. Muyale was in her mid-twenties when she became a lecturer in an elite Nigerian university. She realized that, just like many parts of the society, patriarchy is deeply entrenched in the academia as well. And it comes from different angles. It comes from visitors, it comes from students, and then it comes from staff as well. Because I work in an institution where there are a lot of older students, so you find that in a classroom, like maybe half of the classroom is older than you. So you're teaching children or you're teaching students that are way above you. Uh, there was this particular case where there was a student who used to always come and drop stuff on my table, drop money, drop phone, drop this and drop that. And I just always take it to the dean. And I insisted that he writes me a written apology because this was very, very inappropriate because I know the institution I work in. Basically, this older student kept bugging Munyale with gifts in an attempt to have her date him. Despite her multiple refusals, he didn't relent. That, like, there were times where he would follow me to my car and say, see what you're driving. Like, I can elevate you. Eh? Then there was a day he even mentioned to me that, oh, I know where you stay. And I can get you a bigger house. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm not complaining. So when he started becoming, like, uh, like when the tension started to rise, I had to loop in my dean 
into this situation. And I told my dean that I would rather a written apology. I don't want to be in the same space with this person. So I would rather a written apology than a face-to-face apology. But after they spoke man to man, then my dean called me and said, you know what, we can just sit down and talk about this and resolve this amicably. You know, you know, when a man sees a woman that he likes, he would try to always get her attention. He said, you know the way men are. And I'm like, no, I don't know the way men are, to be honest. Like, I don't think this is an acceptable behavior. But yeah, that stopped. But when one is stopping, one is starting again. So I had to learn to be stronger. And when I say stronger, I had to learn to be more dismissive. According to her, there are no strong policies in place for when students harass lecturers. Creating clear boundaries with her students didn't work much either. In 2020, during the pandemic, we were having like a lot of online studies. So there was a student that used to call me like after working hours, like I mean 11 p.m., 10 p.m. And somehow he always calls me with different numbers. So at one point when we came back in 2021, when physical resumption happened and I saw him for the first time, by this time now, he had gotten to his final year. So when I saw him, I had to tell him, I was like, this is after telling him on those different times that he called me. So this time in the office, I told him, I said, you cannot do this. I do not like you. Because he's kept on saying stuff like, okay, you don't teach me anymore because I don't teach 400 level. So it's like, you don't teach me anymore. So you're not like my lecturer. I'm like, no, like I'm hired by this one. Let me not even use that as an excuse. Like I personally do not have anything. Like I don't want anything from you. Like I don't want to have anything to do with you. And then I did know that this student held it in his heart till we ran into each other somewhere at a social event. And then he's following me to my car in the night. I'm like, why are you following me? And he's like, eh, he's trying to talk to me. I refuse to talk to him. He has graduated now. So why am I still refusing to talk to him? I'm like, because I don't want to. Like, it's my choice. I, I don't know why it is so difficult for you to get this. And he goes like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, he grabs my hand and then in like one second, smacks my butt. To understand how crazy this is, this student harassed Moyale online and offline for months. He refused to take no for an answer and then threw tantrums when she enforced boundaries. He met her randomly at a social event in August 2021 and physically assaulted her. This happened last year and it took me till January this year to be able to tell somebody that, see what happened. And I mean, it just gave me clarity on a lot of issues. Because you know, when you don't experience something personally, it's always different when somebody's telling you the story than when you actually experience it. So, I mean, it was it was horrible. After he did that, then he looked at me and I said, anyway, I have your number, I'll call you. And then just walked away. And I'm just there standing, like my car door is open. I'm just there, like still in shock, I swear. Moyale did not know how to handle this. It took her a while to realize that this was trauma. So I had this, uh, I had this, um, this period where I didn't want to stay out late at night. Then times when I was late outside, 
I always asked people to walk me to my car. It confused a lot of my friends because I'm one of all those people that used to be like, oh, no, no need to escort me. Don't worry, I'm fine. And then they now see me begging them to walk me to my car. And they didn't really understand. I had a couple of friends ask me, oh, why are you asking me to walk you to your car? And then it came off as rude, but it really wasn't rude. It was just that you have never asked us for this in the past. So, I mean, it's shocking to see that. Yeah, so I had, like, I mean, the feelings went from fear to confusion to wondering why or if I did anything to deserve that and constantly trying to remind myself that this isn't my fault, I did nothing wrong and all of that, yes. With no proof of what had happened to her, Muyeli was unable to explain why she was suddenly anxious whenever she was alone. She felt betrayed by the system she had dedicated her time to. She had worked long enough in the field to know that a case like this one was not one to pursue in the long run. While dealing with the sexual harassment, she was still facing microaggressions from her colleagues as a younger female lecturer. Every time I've gone to a conference, and I mean every single time, or every time I've gone uh, to present my paper, which requires me being there physically, when I'm done, I always have questions like, oh, I usually wrote this paper. Or, oh, are you sure there's nobody, like, you don't have a second author? And I always wondered where those questions were coming from. And I- Basically, some of our colleagues and senior professors felt like she was too young to write compelling research papers in her field. Having your work questioned as a result of your gender and age is painful. Muyeli was having a hard time dealing with all of it. After the break, she takes us into yet another realm of struggles and inequality. So I run a cleaning business where the people in my neighborhood can easily book a cleaning for their homes. I like that I can help busy mothers take care of cleaning so they can focus on everything else. Last Monday evening, I was talking with one of my neighbors, Simi, and I was telling her how hard it was for me to keep track of payments. I have a big blue notebook where I track my customers and how much they owe. It's really stressful. So Simi just asked me, Bisi, do you know Paystack? She told me that with Paystack, I can instantly send an invoice to my customers online. And my customers can pay with card, USSD, or bank transfer. I'm not too familiar with all these tech things, but Simi showed me where to set up my account. And it was so easy. So since then, I've been using Paystack invoices. I send electronic reminders to my customers about payments and I get an alert on the app when they pay me. All from my mobile phone. No more big blue book. You too can create simple invoices using Paystack. Start by opening a free account on paystack.com forward slash I like girls. As a young lecturer, Muyale was faced with academic bullying. People didn't consider her qualified enough and she was at the receiving end of a lot of dismissive actions from all corners. You write a paper or you want to publish a paper and then somebody comes across your paper, which is supposed to be, most papers are supposed to be blind reviewed. But then sometimes they open the review and they can see who has written this paper. And you have these professors reaching out to you to say, oh, let me hop on this paper as well. And the hopping on this paper, I mean, in academic hierarchy, a professor's name cannot come after somebody that doesn't even have a PhD. So me, that I'm still Miss, I'm still Miss Munyale. I cannot have Professor Professor this after Miss Munyale. Like Miss Munyale must always come after 
professor there. So, I mean, there's a lot of academic bullying. And because these people actually know that they get to say what paper goes in these journals and they know that you need it. What she's talking about is quite common in the Nigerian university setting. It's this weird thing where professors get a hold of research papers of junior lecturers and add their names to the research paper like they did actual work on it. As Moyale said, it's a form of bullying. They do it out of a peculiar belief that being older makes them more qualified and better placed to author a journal or research paper. Moyale told me about this incident. I met this professor at a conference where I was a rapporteur for, I was a lead rapporteur, and uh, we met at this conference, and he was very impressed with my work. And he asked me, he said, oh, do you write on security? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm, I now told him about a paper I was working on at that particular time. And he was like, oh, when you're done, let me see it. Now, this is me thinking mentorship. Somebody's trying to put me finally. Somebody's trying to put me in line. Like somebody's going to read my work and be able to give me feedback. Somebody that knows me. So I was very excited about that. I got home, tried to finish the paper in like two to three days, wrapped up everything and gave it to him. And he was like, oh, this is such a good paper. Uh, my friend is currently running this journal. Let me send it to my friend. And I'm like, okay. Ah. At this point, he started to look a little bit shaky because I mean... <laughs> You did not say, okay, let me send you my friend's email and then you can talk to my friend. You said, let me send it to my friend. So after a week, I reached out to him and he's like, oh yeah, the friend actually accepted the paper with some corrections. So he did the corrections and sent it back to the friend. And I'm like, okay. And then in like two weeks, he just sends me like a preview of our abstract. And I'm seeing my name as a co-author and I'm seeing his name as the lead author. And I am mad. With her father's support, she was able to report the paper and flag it before publishing. A panel was then set up. She testified and recounted her experience with the Erin professor. The paper never made it to publishing, and this professor was not sorry. I said how it happened, and this man kept bombarding me with calls. You don't know what, you don't know where you meet me in life. You don't know what I can do for you. You don't know how I will help you. You burnt a bridge. You've done this. You've done that. You... With this many challenges as a woman in academia, it's still a wonder that Muyale has not quit. I mean, what the motivation comes from different aspects. The first for me, which is uh, my brand of feminism. Uh, I believe I belong more to uh, not really the classical school, but I mean schools that cut across the classical school of feminism where you have Malala and people that believe in education. So I strongly believe in education and I believe that education would be the key that would liberate the whole world or is the key that would liberate the whole world. So just like Malala, I believe that putting in that effort is my responsibility as a human being. Uh, personally, I believe that all humans have duties and responsibilities. I do not subscribe to the notion that we do not owe anybody anything. In season one of the podcast, I spoke with Janice, a Cameroonian-American lecturer in the U.S., about similar discrimination in academia. Janice was looked down on by the system and experienced racism as a black woman in academia. Janice did not experience ageism like Muyali, but she had a lot to say about the system's toxicity towards women. Listen to this clip where she talks a bit about it. These are the types of things that as black professors, we experience and it's very exhausting for us. There's no other way to describe it. And I think what 
what invigorates me is I love the students. Um, but when things like this happen, it just, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's makes me sad because I, I try to teach the course in a way that they'll gain the most value from it. I stay after hours and I try to mentor students. But when things like this happen, um, it makes me just feel like I'm not a, I'm not valued and I'm not a valued member of my institution um, or, or an organization because I know people may feel like this in their workplace. So I, I think experiencing things like that in academia, I'm trying to change it from inside and I'm, I try to be hopeful that change can actually happen, but it, it can be very exhausting. You can listen to that episode after this one on whatever streaming platform you use for your podcast. It's titled Main Girls. After the break, I'll wrap up Moyale's story. Hi, my name is Aisha Salaudin. You already know me, host and producer of I Like Girls. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about the podcast newsletter. I'd like you to join the I Like Girls community by subscribing to our newsletter. Every Tuesday at 12pm, through the newsletter, we'll send out behind-the-scenes information on topics, guests, and recordings of all our episodes. That means as a subscriber, you have first-hand information about our episodes that others don't have access to. And that's not all. You'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. You will also be notified early about any of our activities, like the availability of merch, secret podcast events, and bonus episodes. So, subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in the episode notes as you listen. It takes less than 30 seconds to subscribe, and I promise we won't spam you. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. We've established that the academia is challenging for young women in Nigeria. It's not limited to Muyali. According to multiple reports, including the European Scientific Journal, there are gender restrictions and discrimination of women faculty staff in Nigerian tertiary institutions. Now, my advice to women who are trying to enter this field, and I think I said this at the beginning, is when something makes you uncomfortable, don't laugh about it. Like, let the person know that it makes you uncomfortable. I used to be a woman that used to be so scared of what people think about me or if people are saying, oh, she's hard or you can't joke with this person. Muyale and I talked for over an hour. As we were about to end the conversation, she told me that not taking, and excuse my language here, bullshit from anyone has really helped her to be more grounded at work. Like... When she reported the student that kept harassing her with gifts to the dean of her faculty. And when she had that paper removed from the journal that a professor tried to claim as his work. Ugh. If you do not tell them, they won't learn. So you have to be able to open your mind. You have to find your confidence. You have to find your voice to be able to stand for yourself. I'm not asking you to fight every battle that comes your way but you should ask yourself what is important for me what is the thing that i don't want to see being done to other women and try to do your two bits and trying to stop it i hate and i really really hate that Muyali has to jump through so many hurdles to be accepted as a lecturer but i'm comforted by her resilience oh one more thing by the time this episode is out we'll most likely be addressing her as dr Muyali. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit 27productions.co. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Pod. This episode is produced by me, Aisha Salahuddin, and written by Fatima Bintagimse. Audio engineering is by Mo Isu. Our editor is Samiat Alamutu. And our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The other music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Paystack for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.